Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. All right, Tony. Today's episode of What Happened When is brought to you by our live shows. Tony, we're getting the band together and we're taking the show on the road. And we're coming to Crockett Country, Charlotte, North Carolina. We're coming your way. And how about Nashville? Two hotbeds for the old WCW NWA action. Tony, how much are you looking forward to this? I can't wait to come to the Comedy Zone in Charlotte, Conrad. That's going to be on Sunday, November 11th at 3 p.m. What happened when with Tony and Conrad at the Comedy Zone? Uh, And tickets available at TomZinc.com. And then we're coming uh, to Nashville, and we're going to be at Zany's in Nashville. And I look forward to seeing that as well. And that's available at uh, LowKeyBigHog.com. That's Sunday, December 16th at Zany's Comedy Club. Got a lot of friends in Nashville, too. And I, I look forward to that on Sunday, December 16th. Uh, Conrad, got to do a lot of prep for this one, buddy, because uh, I got to be on top of my game. I got to make sure that uh, my little uh, acorn is not showing out of the side of my pants. I got to make sure that uh, that I don't cuss too much. Well, maybe I should cuss a lot. I'm not sure. But I got to really prep for this one, and I look forward to seeing our friends in the old Crockett territory in Charlotte and in Nashville as well. Don't miss it. November 11th in Charlotte, North Carolina. Go right now to TomZinc.com. Pick up your tickets for just 35 bucks. And the next month, we're coming home to Nashville on December 16th. And you can pick up your tickets for that at LowKeyBigHog.com. Again, tickets start at just $35. And I want to remind you, Charlotte, the Panthers are not playing that day. And how about you, Nashville? The Titans are not playing that day. We've made it easy. You don't have to choose. You just have to decide to come join us. Right now, go to TomZinc.com for Charlotte. Go to LowKeyBigHog.com for Nashville. And now, back to more. What happened when? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Welcome to WHW Monday. Shivani and Conrad Thompson. Jim Crockett for Starcade, 605 NWA, TV title, Cajun Omni, the Bunkhouse Stampede. Flair and Horseman, Garvin, Bogey, Magnum, Dusty, Express Tactics, Turner, Bonin, Mid-South Joint World Championship Wrestling. Talking about the great years of World Championship Wrestling, the NWA and Jim Crockett Promotion. Tony and Friends North, they win, look, Shivani's back again. World title split off, center stage, Bischoff, Disney, Hogan, and Nitro, New World Order, and the Crow. Under Russo, Arquette Champ, Vinny Mac, simulcast. Tony's back with Conrad, not your classy podcast. Watch along, try not to laugh, lowest rules, cat back. This wasn't the initial plan, Tom Zink's a good looking man. Quondike Bill, make a chair. Tommy, you come over here. What happened when? WHW Monday. And now, let's go to the ring. And here's your co host. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to 
What happened when? Monday on the MLW Radio Network. I guess actually it's Wednesday, unless you're joining us on Patron. Tony Schiavone, what's going on, man? How are you? Conrad, how you doing, buddy? Uh, it's uh, Man, we are just uh, smoking uh, hot right now. Thanks to everybody on Patron, and thanks to everybody following us here on MLW Radio as well. A couple of live shows coming up, as you know, and, uh, I mean, we are heading towards StarCast, and, uh, man, it's just a great time to be uh, a partner of Conrad Thompson's. Oh, my God. Listen to you. That's nice of you to say, man. I appreciate the opportunity to work with you and hopefully everybody's digging what we're doing in case you've been living under a rock. We're offering a, a lot of extra bonus content over on Patreon. Of course, we jokingly call it Patron here, but it's patreon.com forward slash WHW Monday. Hundreds of you have decided to check us out and we greatly appreciate that. And Tony, you're having fun, man. Over the weekend, I saw where you, um, you posted video where you were playing with, uh, a Bruce Pritchard action figure, a brother love action figure and a Tony Schiavone action figure. And there was a bit of a reenactment from your time in the WWF. Is that fair to say? Yeah. It's kind of like Bruce Pritchard is the good angel and brother love is the bad angel sitting on your shoulder type thing. And, uh, I just saw all three of them together and it was just too good to, uh, to pass up. So we had a lot of fun with that. You know, one of the things about being a, I think about being a big hog, low key, big hog member and, and maybe a glass bottom boat member is when I'm in your town or in your area, I get to hang out with you. And we talked last week, uh, that we got to hang out with Paul Bromwell and, and Mark, uh, in Pennsylvania, but, um, bad money slim showed up in, uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania. And we got to sit down and meet with him and uh, have coffee with him and his friend, Eric. And, uh, he came up with a very, very cool t-shirt for me. I saw that. I saw the, uh, WHW kayfabe, the HJ shirt, right? Which I think <laughs> exactly. is maybe the shirt that we needed for a while. And you refused to let me sell it. But then when bad money, slim gives you one, you post it all over social media for a lot of people to see. Mm. So I'm a little worried that this story may not have a happy ending. That's just me freestyling. You never know about stories with us, but it's good seeing him. It's good connecting with people. It is Conrad. I've said that so many times and uh, today's show, we're going to connect with everybody again. Let me let the, the, let our listeners on Patron know, uh, on Patreon. No, (laughs) I got Patron in the brain. Thank you. Uh, Everybody on Patreon know that I'm not on weekly on live like I should be because I got baseball. And I'm not making the phone calls like I should because I've got baseball. But it's coming up when football season starts, and it's not too far away. We're going to be with you weekly on a weekly basis and probably even more than on a weekly basis. I'm going to try to make up for some of the time. So, Tony, hey. you've done slapdick theater. You've, you've, you've been providing good stuff there, man. It's fun. I'm entertained. You know, I'm part of the crew, and I'm still laughing at what you're doing. And hopefully people are laughing at what we're going to be doing today because we're doing a Q&A. Believe it or not, this is our most requested thing. We get lots of, I don't know, like wrestling potpourri where people want to know about this thing or that thing. And uh, we're going to get a little bit of everything for you today. Next week, though, we're going to cover some sort of thunder. Uh, the mm. folks over at Patreon have been making some suggestions. And for some reason, you want to cover thunder. And I put it up on Twitter and 
we got tons of response, mostly negative about Thunder, I saw that, <laughs> uh, which is pretty fun. So right. uh, everybody has the same opinion of thunder, but you know, that's really what makes a good show is if it's bad, but hopefully today is not bad. All right, Tony, we need to take a time out here to tell everybody about our friends over at Dojo Pro. You know, we've been talking a lot about Fight TV lately, and I'm really glad to know that Dojo Pro is now on Fight. I've been hearing from a lot of our international listeners. They couldn't get Dojo Pro on Amazon Prime. Now, as a reminder, if you live in the U.S. or the U.K., you can watch, you can actually stream it, in fact, Dojo Pro on Amazon Prime for free. Can you believe that's real? It's free if you're an Amazon Prime member. It doesn't get any cooler than that. But if you're outside of the U.S. and the U.K., man, fight is your hookup. And I'm talking about the old school stuff that you appreciated about Nitro, the innovations, the new cruiserweights, the up-and-coming talent. That's what's all over Dojo Pro. Guys, you know, Shane Strickland, MJF, Wheeler Yuta, Joey Janela, the MLW crew that Tony's so familiar with. But also, how about New Japan's Jeff Cobb? That dude's been all over the place. I think he just got a gig at ring of honor too. How about the old world champion, James storm? Everybody who's anybody is in this thing and it's a gauntlet style wrestling competition show. Now they're partnered with ring of honor. So the idea here is you've got 13 independent wrestlers who've been ranked by industry professionals based on their experience and potential. And you get to watch this in a totally bingeable television series. That's right. It's 12 single match episodes. Each is under 30 minutes because they respect your time and you get to watch this when you want with the whole family and you can do it on your own schedule. Now, after every match, somebody is going to receive a white belt in advance. Of course, the loser, well, they're eliminated. And if you win this tournament, man, you get the Dojo Pro Black Belt and more importantly, a guaranteed shot at the Ring of Honor World Television Championship. But best of all, guys, I can't stress this enough. The entire season is available for you now and streaming right now on Amazon Prime in both the U.S. and the U.K. Absolutely free to Amazon Prime members. But maybe best of all, my new favorite app. It's the Fight TV app. Go check it out. It's F-I-T-E. You're going to be glad you did. And while you're checking out stuff, don't forget to check out the Dojo Pro website. It's dojopro.co, not .com. That's dojopro.co. Or just search for Dojo Pro on Amazon. Dojo is D-O-J-O Pro. That's all you got to do. And you can follow them on Twitter at Dojo Pro TV. Check them out on Instagram, Dojo Pro. And Facebook, why not? Facebook.com forward slash Dojo Pro Wrestling. If you like pro wrestling, if you want to support the up and comers, if you want to see the next big thing, don't miss Dojo Pro. Uh, we appreciate you joining us here on Patreon. You're getting the show extremely early. Uh, we've got tons of questions, both from Twitter and Patreon. Tony, I'd like to jump right into it. If that's cool with you. Okay. Do we need any type of drum roll? There you go. That sounded like you were trying to motorboat Medusa or Francine right there. Uh, Garrett Hernandez wants to know, do you have a favorite all time Los Angeles Dodger? Uh, yeah, Garrett, I, I really do. And I'm going to, I'm going to go way back, but I'm going to say it's Don Sutton. Wow. That's the name from the past right there. Yeah, for sure. Right. Uh, Josh, I mean, and it's because I know Don Sutton, right? I mean, that's, that was the, that was easy because Don's been a broadcaster for the Atlanta Braves for many, many years and I've gotten to know him. And, uh, so yeah, he's my favorite, but again, Don was pitching back in the seventies too, you know, when I was a gigantic baseball fan. So there's your reason. 
Um, Josh wants to know, did you ever call any matches, uh, at the old Boston garden? Yes, I did. Uh, the, the night that I, that's well been talked about when I was at Madison square garden, uh, to do the Hulk Hogan, big boss, man, we did the MSG network in the afternoon. They had a matinee at Madison square garden and we all got in the shuttle back then. They had a TWA shuttle or a Trump shuttle back then, which was a, a shuttle back and forth to Boston. We got in the shuttle. We flew to Boston did the Boston garden that night, the old Boston garden. Uh, and that was the day, uh, and Hulk and wrestled big boss man in the cage that day. But that was also a day. One of the funniest moments I could, and I never forgot, uh, dusty Rhodes was there and the old Boston garden, uh, you know, had a tendency to be, uh, very humid because it had no air in it. And, uh, dusty came out and he spoke of dots and climbed up on the turnbuckle you know, to wave to the fans like he did, and he busted his ass, oh, which I thought was hilarious. He just slipped him and kaboom. But he, you know, he didn't sell it at all, just hopped back up, and that was the American Dream Dusty Rhodes. Fun question here. If you were still collecting baseball cards, what minor league players would you be trying to collect very, very soon? Who are the up-and-comers well, that you think people should snatch up? Well, I, would, I, I don't know if you can consider... Uh, Ronald Acuna an up and comer or not, but I would have tried to collect Ronald Acuna's card. I don't think there's, there's any doubt about that. I will try that. Um, and I, and of course I'm going to just go kind of like, you know, brave centric here if I can, but Kyle Wright, who by the way is from Huntsville, Alabama. How about that? Yeah. Huntsville, Alabama, uh, and, uh, pitches, uh, went to Vanderbilt and pitches for the Braves organization. Uh, there's another card I would try to collect. Uh, Austin Riley, third baseman out of, uh, uh, Mississippi, not the university of the state of, uh, just South. He's a, it's a, I think it's South Haven, Mississippi, right South of Memphis. I would try to collect his card to make sure I got that. Uh, justice Sheffield is another one I would collect cause he's the Yankees number one prospect and he's a pretty good pitcher as well. So th- those are a couple of the guys I would, uh, I would also tell you Jalen Beeks, but he just got called up to the big leagues, uh, traded by the Red Sox to uh, Tampa Bay. So there's another one I would, uh, I would look at. But there's, gosh, there's so many minor league kids. And, you know, the percentage of minor league kids that make it to the major leagues are n- not that big. Most of the kids never make it to the major leagues. Uh, there's just so many minor league teams. So those are some kids that, that I would certainly consider uh, getting cards for. Uh, let's talk about a wrestling story. Nick Newman wants to know, got any good sting stories? We get lots of requests for sting stuff. And I have a feeling that, uh, you don't have a ton of hilarious sting stories for some reason. Well, no, you know, there, there's not really any funny sting stories. I, I think I may have, I've told the one before I'll, I'll tell it again, uh, because I know not everybody listens to every podcast I do who ask questions. Um, uh, we were on the bruise cruise in 1991, I think. And we were all hanging around where they, you know, they, they, they show on cruises, they show stage shows, they have stage shows and they had this stage show where they had a bunch of clowns come out and do all these different pratfalls and these stupid things where they would duck and just do stupid, silly three stooges shit. And I was, I was up on a balcony with sting and we were having a drink and we were looking down and sting was watching in with. I mean, he was just serious and he went, holy shit, they're doing my spots, which I thought was fucking hilarious because he thought a bunch of fucking clowns 
were just doing his spots. And I guess maybe they were doing wrestling spots, right? Uh, and that was one of it. Uh, you know, Sting was always uh, – Sting was – I I thought Sting – and this is not the knock on anybody else. I thought Sting was kind of more normal than any guy backstage. Uh, because, I can see that. Yeah, just, uh, you know, he, he didn't – I mean, God, he wasn't like Ric Flair, but who in the world was, right? Was, uh, was Sting getting a lot of road beef back in the day? No, not that I was aware of. He just, but I, but I know he did because you know, I mean, it's a well-worn story that you know he was promiscuous and then went and told his wife everything that he did. Uh, uh, well, but in and, fairness, there's different levels of that. You know, as you said, there's you know that Ric Flair level, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> very few could approach that. I'm sure. Right, right. No, no one could approach that. I never thought he had the big, overwhelming ego that Alex Luger did. Although he and Lex were, were very good friends, uh, he, uh, you know, he and Lex ran Main Event Fitness uh, here in Marietta, Georgia, where I live, and uh, a lot of the guys worked out there. But uh, Sting was a normal guy, and, and I really think Sting was probably may I may be wrong. Sting was probably less a wrestling fan than most of the guys who were in it. And what makes you say that it was just a job to him in your opinion? Yeah. Because when I talked to sting, it wasn't always about wrestling. It was about family. It was about kids. Real life. Yeah. Real life. Exactly. And, and that just gave me, uh, and it was, it was kind of like the, the conversations I used to have with Magnum TA. We had real life conversations too. A lot of those, but Magnum was a big wrestling fan too, but I just got the feeling sting was had a lot more in his life than just wrestling. Uh, Brian wants to know, were you truly unavailable during the invasion angle of 2001? This question comes to us basically because when we covered the invasion on Bruce Pritchard's show, he says he wasn't sure you were available, which I sort of laughed off. Yeah, that's, that's Bruce Pritchard lying. I was available. No one called me or no one got in touch with me. I, you know, uh, I, uh, and here's another behind the scenes story. I, because I knew Eric was on, uh, knew Eric was on TV with them. I got in touch with Michael Hayes and I said, Michael, cause I knew Michael and, uh, you know, Michael and Star are still friends. I said, Michael, tell them that if they need me for anything, the WWF need me for anything to, you know, work, uh, angle this Eric angle or whatever I'm available. And he said, okay, I'll call you back. But in true to form WWE fashion, he never called me back. Oh, that would have been years later when Bischoff was there, right? Right. Okay. Um, Paul wants to know who are your favorite wrestlers growing up in Virginia? Blackjack Mulligan was my favorite wrestler of all time. Uh, I was there when Blackjack was the big heel. And as they always say, the old adage in the business is the best time to hurt a, turn a heel baby face is when he's red hot. And he was a red hot heel and they turned him baby face. And, and I bought into it. Uh, I was also a big Tim Woods fan, Mr. Wrestling, Tim Woods fan, a Wahoo McDaniel fan, uh, a Ricky Steamboat fan uh, back in my days of, of Washington, Virginia. But Blackjack was my favorite of all time. I also really liked Ken Patera because he wrestled for the Crockett's for a little bit. I know he made his name, uh, you know, in the AWA a lot, but he worked in the Crockett's too. And he came in as a heel, started out as a baby face, came in as a heel, bl uh, bleached his hair blonde. And I really, really liked him. I really was a big fan back when I was watching the seventies, the world tag team champions were Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff and Jimmy Superfly Snuka. 
And they were my favorite tag team for a while back then as well. But blackjack by far, by far. Ian wants to know, and this is a fun question. What WCW faction do you feel was underrated or underappreciated? Underrated or underappreciated. I, I really think that the faction would have to be, uh, Ravens group, the flock, the flock. Right. They did some, they did some very, very cool things. Uh, Raven, it's, uh, again, Scotty's always been a friend of mine. I, I like the thought process he put into his gimmick and his flock. I thought the signs with Lodi was pretty cool. Uh, I thought, uh, you know, to have sick boy there, I don't know why in the world they would put Billy Kidman in there. I guess maybe they thought they could get a sniff with Tori as well. Uh, and, uh, and of course, you know, I, I just liked the flock. I really did. And I don't think the flock got enough steam or enough attention, uh, put on it. Alan wants to know how roll tide is Lois. Well, when we first got married, she was a 10 by far. I mean, just smoking hot. It was like, uh, it was like, uh, I couldn't believe I was really hooking up with somebody this beautiful. <laughs> it was like, man, I'm just a little fat redneck kid from Craigsville. And here I got this, this beautiful woman from Greensboro, North Carolina that I'm shacking up with. And, uh, what see you, you what? Well, the question was how roll tide is Lois. And I said, when I married her, she was like smoking hot. She was. Wow. I mean, like she worked for the police department in Greensboro, North Carolina, and every policeman there was hitting on her. Every, oh yeah. Every policeman. Then she worked for a lawyer's office and all the lawyers hit on her. But me, and worked in the clerk's office. I slid right in, so to speak. Literally. <laughs> Literally. Uh, Travis wants to know, hypothetically, oh. how would it sound if sting were to pinch hit for the stripers and you were calling it? Okay. It would sound something like this. All right, coming to the plate, pitch hitting for our third baseman, Austin Riley. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Sting. And he steps up to the plate, and there's a swing and a miss by Sting. No balls in one strike. Here's the 0-1 pitch. Long fly ball to deep center field. It is a Sting home run. It is gone. That motherfucker can hit something like that. I was really hoping you were going <laughs> to say it's Sting. Maybe oh, next time. It's Sting. Okay. Uh, Andrew wants to know on the Mayhem 2000 pay per view, they show a promo for Glacier and you respond with, oh no. Are they going to do that again? I hope not. And then the next pay per view, they show it again and you were normal Tony, like coming soon, he's back, the return, et cetera. Did anybody get on to you after your reaction the first time? Yeah, Eric got on to me about my reaction the first time. So I just, you know, I always thought, and probably rightfully so, that Eric was too busy to listen to us. Right. But, uh, but you know, I'm sure one of these stooges, <clears throat> Terry Taylor, probably stooged me off and, and said that. But, you know, there was a time, too, and this may have been the time, you know, there was a time too. They, they, they gave me a little heel persona. Do you guys remember that? Yeah. I think it was when you, uh, started shit talking Lois. <laughs> I could be wrong. Hey, can I go back to the Lois thing one time real quick? Yeah. I know you she stepped out. Yeah. Okay. I met Lois and on the 31st of March, 1981, mm -hmm. I proposed on April 6th. 
Oh, wait, a week later. Yep. Dang. She put that monkey on you, son. <laughs> and we were married God. on June 6th. All right. Oh, three months later. A week later. A week were, later. You, you were just in. <laughs> Boy, was I ever again, little fat redneck from Virginia. He ain't gonna get the, he ain't gonna get this stuff every day of his life. Man, I'm thinking jackpot, baby. Woo. Will you marry me? Yes. Let's go. That is amazing. Good yeah. for you, man. I don't Go know there. what I don't know what to say to that. Actually, <laughs> it's a true story. I believe it's you. A true story. Don't do that at home, kids. It's not like yeah, that don't, anymore. Yeah, uh, I would say that the chances of a marriage that uh, the proposal came a week later, chances of a marriage going thirty-seven years like mine are probably not too good. Yeah, y'all didn't have the internet back then. If y'all had Facebook, it would have <laughs> been over. <laughs> You might be right. I was just yeah. saying, Lois would have been wine booking and would have realized I can do better. Yeah, than this I know. Sawed off little runt in there on the couch snoring with his dog and his long fingernails. <laughs> I can do better. Um. <laughs> By the way, look here. Oh. I cut him. Why'd you cut him? But I, I guess I should give everybody a peek behind the curtain. I had dinner with Tony last week, and I asked him to pass me something, and. I had to have stitches after because <laughs> Tony's fingernails had grown so long. He could climb fucking trees. <laughs> and, uh, I, I just did. I was amazed that he was allowed to leave the house like this. We always joking that, oh, Lois made me wear this and Lois dressed me and Lois picked this out. And it's like, dude, I realized that over the course of your lifetime, you've saved $64 by never having to purchase toenail clippers, but <laughs> you need something here. Something's Look. got to give. Let me, let me tell you, let me tell you a shoot about all this. Okay. <laughs> and you're going to, you're going to shit on this. I can just look at your face right now. I'll tell you, you're going to shit on this. My fingernails grow quicker than most people. Jesus Christ. Listen to you. <laughs> they do. My fingernails and toenails grow quicker than most people's. They really, really do. Well, I, I, all these years when I saw pictures of you with the long fingernails, I thought it just meant you were like traveling companion with Mongo and you'd give him a bump whenever he needed it or whatever. <laughs> I mean, all those years, That's those bad. WCW wrestlers were talking about bumps. They weren't talking about flatbacks. They were talking about Tony Schiavone's pink and nail sign here. There you go. See, that's what I'm saying. You know, the deal. <laughs> Uh, Josh wants to know, Tony, what's it like working with Colonel Parker again? Do you converse? He's kind of a fascinating dude to me in the sense that he loves supporting new talent. What's it like for you, man, watching new talent work their way into the industry like this? Well, two things. Number one, it's great to work with Colonel Parker again. Uh, and you know, he and I were very good friends. We traveled a little bit together back in the WCW days, So we knew each other quite well. The first time we saw each other, he said, good God, you've gotten fat. And I said, well, good God, you've gotten old. Uh, but now that I've been losing weight, he always sees me and compliments me on losing weight. We talk and, you know, he tells, uh, he tells, he's got a lot of great stories. You know, we talk about wrestling stories, man, Robert Fuller's got a lot of great wrestling stories. So it's great seeing him. He, he works uh, pretty hard. You know, he's, he helps the kids. Now the, the, the flip side of that is second part of that question is that is why I got back into this. And that was to help these kids. Uh, in their career, I, I, if they think I'm as good as they think I am, and I, I'm not really not so sure, uh, then if I can sell them and get them 
in wrestling to maybe get a job with Vince. If anybody listens to us from Vince or help their career, enhance their career, then damn it, I'm going to do it. And that's why I, I agreed to do this thing with court. Uh, you know, I'm getting paid too. Yeah, I understand that. And I'm making money, but, uh, it, it gives me, uh, it gives me gratification, satisfaction that I'm involved in this in helping careers like MJF, like low key. And of course, low key, I know he's been around a number of years, but Shane Strickland, uh, the, the dirty blondes, uh, I got a, uh, I got a DM the other, the other day from Davey boy Smith, uh, junior who said it was great to meet you. And I told him, I said, great to work with you, buddy. I hope I can help you out. Uh, and, um, so it, I, I really enjoy this. I, I enjoy the kids. I really, really do. I think you're going to change your mind on some of this because one of the, um, one of the questions that we have today comes to us from MJF and he says, why are you so ugly? Yeah. Well, why I'm so ugly. I was, I grew up in the mountains of Virginia and normally in the mountains of Virginia, you have a lot of cousins, date a lot of cousins and sisters, date a lot of brothers and, and things like that. Now, my mom and dad were not brothers and sisters, but maybe back in their family tree somewhere, there were cousins. And so therefore the ugliness just kind of rolls to the front, unlike little MJF, which is nothing but a little, you know, uh, how do I say this without trying to be sound unkind? Uh, just a, not a little, uh, rich dick sucking prick like oh. he is. Mm. Okay. Cause that's what he is. And he thought that uh, he can pretty. wrestle. He's the, he's the, uh, he's the middleweight champion, but he's a little dick sucking prick is what he is. And not only that, he enjoys getting the uh, dick beal from Joey Ryan. He enjoys that. So there. Anything else you'd like to say? It was pretty complicated. Yeah, he can go fuck himself. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> All right, so we've learned that your uncles were related. Uh, no, I and... could have been, Conrad, could have been. Don't start that. I'm just trying to be honest here. Could have been. Might have been. All right, Tony, I guess we should take a time out right here and tell everybody about StarCast. Of course, we're sold out hanging from the rafters, but you can still join in on all the fun by checking out StarCast from the comfort of your own home. We've got over 20 plus live events across four days, two stages, shows going at the exact same time, over 40 hours of content, including a very special edition of what happened when... And Tony, just this week, I was talking to Medusa and she was telling me about all the things she has planned for her panel on the evolution of women's wrestling. I, uh, I have a feeling that you're going to, uh, you're going to be into that. Can I, can I be a part of that? I mean, I, I can just kind of sit there, you know, well, be a part they, of it. They have chairs. They don't have to sit on your lap, but well, we might okay. could work something out where there was a makeup chair nearby. Oh man, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. I, yeah, that's, that's all me, man. That is all me. And, uh, and I, I, I want everybody to make sure that if you, you say you can't go to Starcast, you can see it on fight.tv. That's F I T E dot TV, right? Conrad. That's exactly right, man. Fight.tv forward slash Starcast. You can go ahead and pre-order right now. And if you hurry, you can still snag a piece of the all in ring canvas. You can watch these shows both live and on demand. We're talking about stuff you've never seen before behind the themes with Jim Johnston, an NWO reunion, a Monday night wars debate, a death of WCW panel, 
a war games retrospective, an empty arena retrospective, a panel on remembering Andy Kaufman, so much more. You don't want to miss it. Pre-order it right now at fite.tv forward slash starcast. That's starcast with two R's fight.tv forward slash starcast. Andrew uh, Campbell wants to know how far behind are you in phone calls? Uh, I'm just starting. I'm, I'm in May right now. Wow. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Josh wants to know, does you ever get to work with me, talk or fornicate with Penny Banner, fabulous Moolah or may young, uh, d- n- neither fornicated with any of them, but I knew, knew Penny Banner because her husband was Johnny Weaver. Johnny was one of our announcers in Jim Crockett promotions. So I got to see Penny on a regular basis. So I, I knew her, but that was it. Never met Moolah. Uh, and never met, uh, May young. Hey, let me give you a peek behind the curtain this morning. I woke up to a text message from Medusa and she said, Hey, we need to talk. And I'm thinking, Uh-oh. Oh shit. She heard about the popcorn and the milk dud and my cover's blown. Here we go. Yeah. It was about something completely different, but I ignored the text message for like 12 hours. And then she sent another one and she's like, are you, are you ignoring me? And I'm like, Oh no, I'm in timeout now. This is about to be bad. And then I was like, no, ma'am. And just called and got it over with. Like, I'm just going to take my lumps. Here we go. And thankfully she had not heard it, but I'm sure now everybody's going to tweet her about the milk dud. And here we go. Well, you know what? She's, uh, she's got, uh, she got a great attitude. Uh, Kenneth Lee wants to know which MLW wrestler has the most potential to become a household name with WWE boy. Let's piss wow. everybody off. Here we go, Tony. <laughs> wow. That is, uh, you ready for this? Yeah. Oh, I, you know what? I bet we don't have the same answer. You go first. Okay. Uh, little cock sucking, dick sucking prick. MJF. Yeah. All right. I, I just, I like his persona. I really, really do. He, he's a, he's a straight up fucking heel, man. He really is. See, I mean, I mean even he's even pissed up. Yeah. He's pissed, pissed me off here. So yeah, probably MJF. I think. But, you know, we have so many guys come through, uh, and it's hard to say. I I like – I haven't seen Brian Pillman Jr., uh, the second wrestle yet. Uh, I like the Hart Foundation, the, the and I don't know why Vince doesn't uh, – well, maybe I do know why. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you for that. Not everybody will get that, but some of you will and roll. Yeah, time. some of you will. Okay. I was getting ready to say, I don't know why the, he doesn't bring in the new heart foundation, but I get it. So, well, and he, I guess, well, people can add, here we go. Uh, Josh yeah, okay. Dunn wants to know, do you have the Billy Ripken card? The, oh yeah, I do. Sure do. David Ferguson. Uh, go ahead. Uh, Billy Ripken was the second baseman for the Charlotte O's in 1984. When I was a play-by-play guy, so I know Billy really well, and I got the card. Uh, Francisco wants to know what is your opinion of the NWO Wolfpack and NWO 2000 with Bret Hart, Jeff Jarrett, Hall, and Nash. Yeah, it, it, to me the NWO. Well, the Wolfpack I liked because I liked the song. The song is killer. Everything else yeah. kind of sucked though. Yeah, right. The Tomato Face Sting, as we've talked about before. Look, the, to me the NWO was Hogan, Hall, and Nash. Eh. Maybe Savage later on. I don't know. I don't know. But that was about it. That's about as far as it worked to me. Carl wants to know what's the craziest match you've ever called before watching the ECW pay-per-views. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, that was, uh, 
the craziest match I ever called it. We've called it. We put it here was in, uh, was the, uh, the uncensored match between fit Finley and, and Steve Regal. And I say it was the craziest match I ever called because it was a fucking shoot fight work. In other words, these two slap dicks from across the pond decided, you know what? We're really going to beat the fuck out of each other for 30 minutes. And they did. Uh, and it came across just like that too. And it just absolutely amazes me. That was the craziest match I've ever called because for the first time in my career, I realized I'm watching a real fight here, right? A real fight. And, uh, so that's what it was. Uh, Alan wants to know which wrestler was the nicest to the Shivani kids when they came to work with you. I'm sure one of them must've made a soft spot in your heart for how good they were to your kids. Uh, the giant Paul white, he, uh, he, uh, he always played around with them. As a matter of fact, the, the three youngest, which was Chris and the twins, uh, they would run up and he would grab them up and hold them up in the air and they would like triple team him. And he even let, we were in Birmingham at the Boutwell auditorium. I'll never will forget that during the day. And they jumped in the ring with him too. And he, they just loved him. Gee, he was a big kid, right? That's right. what he was back then. Nathan wants to know why exactly does Tony think Evan courageous is a piece of shit. <laughs> I don't think he's a piece of shit. Isn't it I think amazing that we joke about stuff like that and people take it so seriously. I guess we have to immediately explain. Cause I got lots of people this week saying, why do you and Bruce and Tony all hate Matt Coon? What happened? We don't <laughs> hate him. We're fucking around, but that's that. That's what we do, man. You know, before you and I ever uh, started this podcast, you know, uh, the, the thing about the thing about the Shivani family was we loved to bust people's balls. Right. We did. Right. And we and down to now I can do it here on the show, by the way. Yeah. So I just love to bust people's balls and uh, I love to bust. You know, I, I used to give Evan a lot of shit because I really thought that 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 Evan, I didn't think Evan had the greatest gimmick in the world. And I also thought that he was a kid that maybe thought that he was a little bit better than he really was. And I used to give him shit. I used to call him nothing happened in Evan courageous. And he used to give me shit too. And again, Billy Kidman and I used to give each other shit. So I've just kind of moved that on into the podcast world. Uh, so, you know, I don't hell hate Evan courageous. I, I don't hate Matt Coon. I whoa, don't whoa, hate. Whoa, Bruce hang, Pritch on, hang on, hang on. I know we're, we're sort of revealing inside baseball here, but at the same time, we don't need to give Matt Coon the wrong impression. I mean, we very much fucking hate him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, it's jokes a, with everybody else, but I mean, it's legit. We, I fucking hate him. Don't you hate him? I hate him. Well, you know what happens when I, when I see Matt Coon do one of those tweets about his school and I see the kids singing, you know, he'll put a little video on there or something. They're being held against their will. I mean, it looks like well, a yeah. hostage negotiation. My first thought is what parent in their right mind would let Matt Coon teach him anything? No, I agree. I mean, here's the deal. If Matt Coon was crossing the street, my kids know, lock the doors. Don't make right. any contact. Look away. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Travis wants to know, was there any, uh, pl anything planned or discussed for you beyond your only taping with TMA? It seemed like they were planting some seeds with your heel character and then it was cut short. Was a color position discussed? How far along did you get? Would you have done a bra and panties match with you versus Goldilocks? Uh, well, to the, the last part, uh, 
No, I don't think I would have because I would have had to. I would have had to wear my uh, underwear right for that match. No, I mean I think you could have let it hang if you wanted to. <laughs> it, no, it's let it dangle. My case. Uh, no, uh, here's what happened. Uh, the the thought was that I was going to come back the next taping, and in the backstage area, I, I I've told this story before. I told Vince Russo I can't do this anymore. He said, well, let's talk about it. So we talked about it driving back to Atlanta. And when I got out of the, it was a minivan. I don't know who rented it. I got out of the minivan in Atlanta. I said, guys, that's it. I'm done. Vince, you're my buddy. I love you. No more. And, uh, that was it. So the thought was for me to come back, I guess, you know, do like, do like a, be like a heel interviewer. Cause I did like a heel interview at the end with Vince and all the guys in the back to be like a heel interviewer. Uh, that they would pitch to, like Tanae would pitch to me, and and I would have a running argument with Tanae, which I thought was pretty cool, you know, having a a play-by-play guy and a and the interviewer, you know, not see eye to eye, and that was that. I was done. So Chris wants to know if you were on a des- uh, deserted island and you could only pick one person to be with you, who would it be? Francine, Deborah, or Medusa? Um. Probably Medusa because, uh, I just think she's, she's tough and probably could ward off any bad things that would happen to me on the island. I, I love that in, in the Medusa scenario, you become the wife. That's the <laughs> yeah. best part. I could, exactly. Then I could just stay back and work on my nails and, you know, cause I could really have an excuse to try to trim them out there and. Right. I could cook. It'd be great. So Josh, yeah, and, know. and she would white off. She would fight off the wild boars. Absolutely. She'd single-handedly take them down and cut their throat. Oh yes, yeah, she and, would. Yeah. Spin kick them as they come around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Josh wants to know, were there any problems you knew of behind the scenes with Disco Inferno? Was he easy to work with? Disco was great to work with. He was kind of a, he was kind of a meathead. He didn't know how to shut up. Uh, but he was great to work with. Uh, and he had a, he had a, he had a pretty keen sense of the business too. I thought, and I think he went on to be, to do some booking, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, allegedly yeah. he wanted to book like the invisible man 20 years before yeah. that became a popular thing. Right. And, um, I think like aliens were going to take over Titan towers or something like that. Right. Yeah. Just crazy bullshit. But you know what you, you, you got to, you really have to in wrestling. I think as stupid as it is, just think outside the box sometimes. Most of the shit you think of outside the box is bullshit. It never worked, but at least you're thinking of it. Uh, Josh Coon wants to know any good bunkhouse buck stories. I always thought that guy was hilarious. I uh, didn't know buck that well at all, but I, I, I often, it's Jimmy golden. I often thought that the bunkhouse buck character probably wasn't too far fetched from what he really was. By the way, I had, um, a listener who, uh, is in the business tweet me and tell me that he worked a show with bunkhouse buck a few years ago. And it's a name that has enough interest. People would recognize the name. And he said that bunkhouse asked him if he really wanted to be in the business. And he said, yeah. And he says, are you sure? And he said, yeah. And he said, are you willing to do whatever it takes? And he says, yeah. And he says, all right, I want you to, and he pulls into this hotel and it's one of those shitty ones where like all the doors go outside. So there's like not yeah. hallways or anything. Just every room opens up to the street. One of those. Right. And so he's like, go on in there to room number. So-and-so <laughs> a bunkhouse buck had him lined up. 
<laughs> time to uh, pay your dues, so to speak. How about that? Wow. That's a good story, man. I know. I thought it was a tremendous story. Uh, Josh <laughs> wants to know, were you tight with Ronnie Garvin? Was he a friendly face when you were with the WWF? Well, I, yeah, I, I spent some time with Ronnie Garvin, uh, two instances. I can tell you, uh, Ronnie, you know, Ronnie was a pilot just like Jimmy was. And Ronnie would like, we all lived in Charlotte and we flew to Atlanta all the time to do Saturday night tapings or WCW tapings. Uh, and Ronnie always flew his airplane. And one time he said, would you like to fly back with me on the airplane? And I went, hell no. <laughs> and he said, come on, it'd be fun. I said, it's just me and you. So I flew back with him. It's a little, I don't know if it was a, a twin engine or a single engine prop. I don't know what it was. And we flew back. And I remember I was flying and, and Ronnie said, uh, you see those cars down there? I went, yeah. He said, they're probably going faster than you and I are right now. <laughs> I said, that's not good, is it? He said, no, it will be fine. And then well, I, I was in, uh, I was in Detroit. I was the ring announcer when he won the world heavy, when he won the world heavyweight title. And, uh, that night me and Ronnie and Ricky Morton, and there was maybe somebody else with us. We went to Greek town and we had dinner afterwards and he, we literally celebrated him becoming the world heavyweight champion. I thought it was, I thought it was a pretty good deal that I was able to celebrate it with him having dinner at Greek town in Greek town. If you've ever been to Greek town, Detroit, it's uh, just one street, very good restaurants and they're open much, much later than anything else. So they're always open late. So you could go there after a wrestling match. And so we went there and, uh, I never will forget, got off the plane, uh, in Norfolk because we worked Norfolk the very next day. When I got off the plane, there were a bunch of girls there. And one of them looked at me and said, Ronnie won the world heavyweight title last night, didn't he? And I went, how the fuck? And that was before the internet, right? Right. Yeah. So they, they already knew already in Norfolk. Uh, the fans did. So, uh, yeah, those are the two times I hung out. Ronnie was a pretty cool guy. Ethan wants to know what moments do you wish you were able to call in the WWE? Is there a match or a moment where you were like, oh man, I wish I could have done that. No, I don't think so. I don't think I wouldn't have mind being able to call some of the rocks matches. Uh, and, uh, but no, I maybe doing some of the undertaker stuff would have been pretty cool, you know, during his heyday. Uh, but I can't remember. I, it, it's hard for me to say that because, uh, oh yeah. Okay. I got one. I would have loved to have been able to call Larry Zabisco and Bruno San Martino at Shea stadium in that cage match. You old motherfucker. Yeah, I am. But to me, it's one of the great angles of all time. You have to go back and watch what happened, how they set that angle up and how they did it. And that was just, wow. Great. No, no, I saw it. It was cool. I'm not hating. I just thought it was fun that that was your pick. Because I'm an old motherfucker, right? Yeah. Travis wants to know, have you had your reunion yet with ham cubes? How did it go? Have not. Not yet. I guess my reunion is coming up uh, at Waynesboro, Virginia High School on the 20th of October. Uh, when I'm going to make an appearance there and he's going to make an appearance, I will even maybe before that, uh, I guess we'll get to, are we going to, is he going to be at Starcast? No. Tony Schiavone was 60 years old. <laughs> okay. So I'll see him on October 20th. Yeah. And you know, when you listen, put I, a bunch I, of shows in the can before you go to that appearance. Okay. Well, l- let me tell you what I'm going to do. Okay. When he comes up with me and confront him, confront me, I'm going to take up for you, Conrad. 
Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'll cut a- He's going to confront you, not me. I'm not there. Oh, no. He'll say something about you. I know he will. Okay. He'll say, he'll say something like, who's that fucking Conrad Thompson fucking guy? I'll say, let me tell you about Conrad Thompson and don't talk bad about him again. Because you talk bad about him again, I'll get in your face. So what I'll do, I'll shut down the fucking chonies is what I'll do. So I'll, 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 I'll take up for you. Okay. Don't worry. I got your back. Here's what I'm going to need you to do. I'm going to need you to film that so we can put it on Patreon. Just so we know the accurate time of death. Okay. No, I don't, I don't want to tape that. Actually, I'm probably going to do a lot of backpedaling. I'm oh, probably no. going to do a lot of shitting on you that day. I, I don't know why he would do that. I told him not to, but you know, <laughs> I know I, it, he said, sure. It'll be fun. Yeah. And I said, no, it won't be fun. He, I said, he's one of the greatest tag team uh, wrestlers of the world. And, and, and Conrad said, fuck him. It's going to be fun. So I, I got it all down. Something like that. You should tell him, you know, it, Conrad's so damn crazy. He was talking about up in the golden corral across the street from you. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. What if, what if we open a golden corral in Ackworth, Georgia? Yeah. <laughs> if you just, when you thought the food at this exit could have get any shittier, <laughs> we bring in a golden corral. Exactly. Yes. And it's we've shitty, got, but it's the, cheaper and we've got a buffet with. Ham with the cubes. chocolate fountain with ham cubes, ham cubes, you can okay. drag it through there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, Michael says, are you aware that there is a YouTube channel that has all of the WCW production raw feeds? They're pretty funny as it foreshadows the Tony we've grown to know with WHW. No, I, I don't, I don't know that. I don't care about it. Garrett wants to know, aside from the Steiner brothers, do you think there were any decent tag teams in WCW from 98 onward? Hmm. I always, well, we, we talked about it. We liked, uh, we liked the nasty boys. We liked Harlem heat. They were, uh, nobody was in the Steiner brothers class. I don't I, think I like the natural born thrillers for what they were. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, I'm not going to say uh, that, you know, they're my favorite tag team ever, but I mean, they were, they were a, a decent tag team. I was, yeah. in, I was interested. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm with you. Yeah. But, uh, again, the nasty boys are vastly underrated. Vastly. Travis wants to know, would you ever consider trying stand up? We can find you an open mic during a meetup and you could bust it out. It could be a new career for you. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I did think about that, uh, because, uh, you know, I, I, I keep the, uh, I keep guy, I keep the ball players laughing. I keep the, uh, members of the, um, members of the broadcast crew with the uh, university of Georgia laughing a lot because of, of some of the things I say, but to be a good stand up, you got to be able to take your knocks and I don't know if I'll be, be willing to take my knocks. Yeah. I mean, when, even when MJF asks why you're ugly, you want to ring Yeah. If yeah, I right. was a heckler, you might go all ham cubes on them. Right. I may just go crazy on a heckler and, you know, I don't know, just fly into him and get sued or something like that. So, and then he got a, I'm too old, too old. Zach wants to know what's the greatest rib you've ever heard of or saw happen. That's a great fucking question. Wow. Well, you know, they said that Bruce Pritchard told me this one time, and this is what I heard of. Uh, I heard Mr. Fuji cook somebody's dog and fed it to the guy. Have you heard that one? I have. It was Jimmy Snuka. 
cooked Jimmy Snooker's dog and fed it to Jimmy Snooker. He had Snooker over for a barbecue. Right. And Snooker came over and he cooked it up and gave it to him, asked him what he thought. And he said he loved it. And then he said, great. It was your dog. That's pretty serious rib. How would you feel if you came over hanging out at the Conradison? Yeah. I cook us up something. Yeah. And you find out that you just ate bug. Yeah. I, I would kill you. I would, I would go downtown to get a gun and then search you out and kill you. Why do you assume that there are guns downtown? <laughs> well, there's gotta be a gun store in downtown Huntsville. Well, there's not, but it's just hilarious. So I'm going downtown. I don't know why. <laughs> If you feed me my dog, I'm going downtown. That should be like, yeah, that'd be, that'd be the, that would be the worst thing you could do to me. Langley wants to know, do you think mean Jean is sexy? Uh, not right now, but there was oh. a time he was pretty sexy. Really? Once upon a time yeah. he was trying to pass out the old mustache rods. No. Well, yeah. Gene was a player, buddy. Really? Oh my God. Any, Big name, time. any names we might recognize from back in the day that, uh, no, cut a promo with Gene. No, I, I, uh, I just, I just know that I look, he may have not really been a player, but he could sweet talk the girls, buddy. He was funny, man. Gene was Gene, Gene Okerlund was, was one of the funniest guys I ever met in real life. By the Some way, of the things he would say in real life, like in 2018, he's still holding court with the ladies. You go to, you go to a bar where he is and yeah. you just look for the crowd and he's in the center of the crowd telling stories with uh, a couple of clear ones on the counter. Yeah, I know he's, he's an, he was an incredible guy and he, he used to be able to hold court and used to be able to sweet talk women. I don't know if he was serious or not, but he was very good at it. John wants to know who is uh, currently Tony's favorite woman wrestler. Well, uh, it is. To look at it's Mandy Rose. Um, I don't think there's any question, but, uh, my favorite, I love that you said, I don't think there's any question. (laughs) It's just so (laughs) matter of fact, there's no question. Yeah. I I don't think there's any question. Are are we talking I guess we're talking WWE. Uh, I don't know if we're talking WWE, but my favorite, uh, woman wrestler, this is a lay down. What are you taking so long for? Well, because we're I, I got a lot of I got a lot of names going on in my over my head, we're and home, we're homers. I, what are you doing? Okay, uh, Alexa Bliss is a tremendous heel. What the fuck is that? Okay, you had one. Uh, you had one answer, and you screwed. Okay, it up. Uh, wait a second now. Uh, I love Charlotte Flair more See, than anything. There we go. What took okay. so long? Okay. But my favorite women, woman wrestler of all time right now is Mandy Rose <laughs> is Thunder Rosa. Really? Yeah. That's not, that's not something you hear very often. Right. Got to know Melissa and, uh, Camille Holly dead, uh, and the twisted sisters, uh, when I, they were at, uh, an autograph signing and I got to see them wrestle. I got them seeing Russell, two guys, and they were like freaking incredible. She lives out in California. She's a great kid. She's sliding your DMs. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, that's a deep You're... cut you just pulled from. <laughs> no, nobody slid in your DMs. 
<laughs> no. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll She's a friend. That. I I've got her number. I've talked to her. I tried to get her booked on MLW. I don't. I guess they're going to try to work her in the mix. I don't know. Tony, have you ever seen Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin submission match from WrestleMania 13? It was the greatest double turn in history. I saw the end of it. I saw when he spit at Vince. No, but I didn't see what happened. That's not the same. Show. That's not the same one. No, you're thinking about the double cross with Shawn Michaels. This is a double turn from WrestleMania. No, so I, I, I didn't, didn't see that. It's the fucking best WrestleMania match ever. I hope somebody is it really? on Patreon suggests it. Oh, it's not close to me. It's my favorite. Uh, here's a fun one. And this is something that we get, um, <laughs> a lot of John wants to know Bobby Heenan is on record as saying you knew the finishes to the matches and angles, but you wouldn't tell him or today because you always felt knowledge is power. Yeah. I know we've addressed this once before, but we get questions about this all the time. Hit him with it, Tony. All right. First of all, and I hate to talk badly about him cause he's dead, but he's lying piece of shit about that. Or he just did not know. And he thought I did. And he was probably mad at me for so long thinking, I, I didn't do that. I didn't know the, the finishes they thought, uh, I stopped hanging out in the wrestlers or in the uh, announcer's dressing room because I was just tired of all the bullshit and tired of hearing them talk about what's going to happen. Are we going to be in business? Are we, uh, you know, this and that, I just want to talk about it. So I would go out and take a book and sit in the stands and read. They thought I went back and sat in Eric Bischoff's office or Vince Russo's office or whatever, and, and listened to him and went over the finishes and heard the finishes and kayfade him. I didn't do that. Didn't do any of that shit. And you know what? The fact of it is, is if he thought that probably tonight thought it too. And Mike's wrong. Didn't do that at all. Never did that. Never, never would do that. That's not good business. Do you want to tell everybody your, uh, your Bobby Heenan joke? No. All right, let's, uh, let's, you're really, you're really trying to get me, uh, you fuck what you want next, next Jay-Z wants trying to, to get know. me in trouble. How in trouble with a dead guy. Okay. Jay-Z wants to know how much for an evening with you. Do you love yeah. me? Can we spoon in Chicago? Yeah. Tell him yes. If he doesn't wear fucking white shades, Jesus fucking dumbass. How did a beautiful girl like that marry him? She's got to be. She just feels sorry for him. I mean, it has to be the answer, right? That's gotta be it. Or he's packing. Cause I know, no, I don't, I mean, that's not yeah. the case. Okay. I, um, what got Lois talking. When I said you gotta be packing, Lois started, no. started chiming in here. Okay. Just said, uh, tell her to have some more Jack Daniels. Yeah. Clean just up the dog hair. Yeah. Just have another shot of Jack Daniels, sweetheart. And send me a text. I'll read it. Okay. Oh, she's drinking beer. Okay. What, kind, what kind of beer is, does Lois drink? What, what kind of beer is that you're drinking? It's Hollywood, Blondie. Hollywood Blondie. We can hear her by the way. Okay. But it does make it a little more redneck. If you repeat it back, <laughs> it sounds like we're in a fucking episode of people of Walmart. <laughs> they don't even have that as a television show, but you and I could make it. It'd just be me and you and Lois walking around. <laughs> Who would push the cart if, if the three of us went to Walmart? walk around? I think I'd push the cart. Yeah, I think she would. Um, Eddie wants to know if Tony was given control of WCW in the early nineties, would WCW still exist today? 
Also, does Tony think Pete Rose should be in the hall of fame? I'll, I'll hang up and listen. Thank you very much. Pete Rose should, yes, should be in the hall of fame. That's number one. Number two, no. Even if I had taken over WCW, it was bound to fail. It was going to fail. It was a coffin with roller skates going downhill. Uh, here's a fun question. I've never heard asked before. Pierce Uh-oh. wants to know Arn versus Rick in a shoot fight in their primes. Who you got? Wow. Arn versus Rick in a shoot fight. No, one's ever asked that before. Not that yeah. I've seen. What, what say you? I'm going to go with Arn. I think most people would go with Arn. Yeah. I think Flair's a lover, not a fighter. Yeah, I think so. I, I think so. I think if it got right down to it, Flair could not go in for the kill. You know what I mean? But Arn would. You know, he's from Rome. He's from Floyd County, Georgia, which is right up next to you. Let's let's kinda. say this too. I mean, if your name is Arn, yeah. You, I mean, you gotta be a badass. Yeah, I know. You can't be a puss and be named Arn. Well, I mean, Arn is short for Arnold, and you'd rather be called Arn than Arnold, right? Now you might just go with C Marty. Just freestyling. Uh, Slingshot wants to know, do you think never beating Flair hurt Lex Luger and Barry Windham's credibility when they squared off for the vacant WCW title? I know they had title runs respectively, but I feel like it would have been better received had they beat the man at some point. I I agree with that, but I don't know if it hurt the credibility or not. Again, it just got back to storylines and trying to portray it. What hurt that match was the fact that Flair had left. That hurt that match, and that made that whole night seem empty. Uh, and I don't know if, but, uh, you know, maybe both of them beating Flair would have meant, made it mean a little bit more, but given us something more to talk about that night. Here's a fun one. How did you guys come up with the name, What Happened When? That comes to us from David. Well, I think you came up with that, didn't you, Conrad? I did. You know, I was trying to, uh, do a little bit of a play off of WCW and come up with some letters. And I also wanted to push in the day that the show dropped to sort of make an appointment television. And I have been asking Bruce for years, Hey man, what happened when, and I would just finish the story or the question and he would tell me the story. So with that in mind, I sort of thought, Hey man, what happened when could be WHW and we could say, Hey, it's coming out on Monday. We could be WHW Monday. And Tony Schiavone is the most agreeable dude in the history of dudes. So when I said, Hey, what about WHW Monday? What happened when he's like, that's fine. Do you need my address? And now we have just seen inside of the mind, the brilliant mind of Conrad Thompson. Well, whatever that means. Yeah. Um, Kenny wants to know if WWF had introduced the four horsemen during Flair's first run, who should the other three guys have been? Well, let me help with some of that because Arn and Tully were already there and JJ was there. So you would have had those three. Yeah. Wyndham at the time was not, but he had been there before Luger Luger had never been there before. Who would that fourth person have been? And I think I could freestyle a guess that you might shit on, but. You might could go for. All right. Ronnie Garvin. I thought you would say that. Why did you think I would say that? Because Ronnie, I don't know. I just, for some reason, when you were asking that, I was thinking Ronnie Garvin too. Also, I thought about Brutus the Barber Beefcake. 
Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm going to hang this phone up on you. <laughs> we are never speaking again. Yeah, stop it. You have just ruined my childhood. <laughs> Brutus, the fucking barber, beefcake, the horseman. We had to sit through all the other shenanigans. We had to pretend like Jeff Jarrett was one and then erase him from history and say he wasn't one. And mm -hmm. now you're over here saying Brutus, the fucking barber, beefcake should have not only been in the NWO, mm -hmm. but it should have also been a horseman. Well, can't you see, can't you see the mute, the flares music, you know, 2001, a space odyssey playing and then walking down the aisle doing like that flare Arn Tully. Then out behind him is Brutus, the barber beefcake with the big shears, you know, I hope you have diarrhea for a week. <laughs> Steve wants to know who, in your opinion, is your favorite wrestler of all time. Is it still blackjack or is it somebody different now? Yeah, it's still blackjack. You know, blackjack you, you, had a pair you go, of, go what's ahead. that? Blackjack had a pair of his, uh, his old wrestling boots pop up on eBay that sold for like a thousand bucks a couple of weeks ago. Wow. Had I seen them before some Jack Dick bought them, uh, I mm -hmm. would have bought them for you and, and gifted them to you. Cause blackjack wasn't my dude, but I don't know he was your guy. Yeah. Just, uh, you know what, you know, and, and, uh, before I got to work with him and, and, and it changed me a little bit, not in a bad way. But I, I, I really, really like Dusty a lot too, because Dusty was an attraction. He just came into Crockett Promotions. This is before he became Booker in the eighties. Now in the seventies, now and then, you I think you always go back to your childhood. Yeah, your child, your, your childhood memories are what stick with you the most. And you know, still Blackjack is my as Blackjack being a heel is, and then a babyface is my favorite favorite memory and. My greatest year of being a baseball fan was 1973, believe it or not. It was probably my greatest sports year ever. Uh, and it was kind of like the last year of my childhood in a way. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, it goes with what's in your childhood. In my, those black uh, my great friend, Mr. Brian Rogers, says that we all have 10 years. So if when you first became a wrestling fan through roughly the next 10 years, that's the stuff you'll always gravitate to as being your favorite stuff. And I think you could even apply that to like other things, music, movies, whatever. But yeah. when I tried to poke holes in that theory, I thought about myself. I first started watching wrestling in 1988 and I started to peter out a little bit in 99. I was still around for the other stuff, but I wasn't nearly as passionate and didn't have the same fire for it that I did in years prior. And I dipped out right. a couple of times between 88 and 98, but I think that made up for it. But you know, by the time 2001 was around, I was really winding it down. So I think that 10 year theory, I mean, that holds water for me. What about you? 10 years? That seemed about right for you. Well, yeah. And it's, it's unique for me because, uh, I started watching wrestling in 1974 and by 1984, I was in the business and, uh, so by the, when I got into the business, I was like, I was a rabid fan, but I had kind of fallen off because I was a, I was a, uh, wrestling fan through my high school years and college years. And then I started working and I met Lois and I got married as we mentioned very quickly. And, uh, I kind of in 1981 kind of stopped watching wrestling. And then two years later I was, I was in it. And I was still, I was excited to be in it. Uh, so yeah, those 10 years, I agree. 74, 84. When, when people ask me, what was the greatest years, your greatest years in wrestling is when I first started by far was when I first started. Let me ask you this, in your opinion, 
does being in the business affect your ability to be a fan? Oh yeah. Talk about that for a minute, because I think a lot of our listeners have this, this great dream of being in the professional wrestling business. I feel, I don't know, two dozen tweets, DMS a day. Oh, I want to get in the business and I don't know. They think I'm in the business. I'm just a podcaster. I'm not in the business, but they have this idea of what it would be like. And I'm like, "Ah, I don't think because I'm, I'm really good friends with a lot of people who are in the business and their view on it is totally different now that they're on the inside. How did, how was that different for you? Well, first of all, it's a job. And to me, that kind of says it all. It's your job. And it goes back to one of the things that, that people were getting on me about when we first started this podcast, Shivani doesn't remember shit. Well, God, we did so much. Right. And, and it was, and I, and I didn't view it through the glasses of a fan enjoying the actual match. A lot of times I didn't enjoy the match that was going on or I didn't enjoy the storyline because I was thinking about what I had to do to make sure it worked. Or I had to think about all the things that went, went into it. Uh, I, I know some people that said, you know, I think I can book. They said this was back in the days, uh, back in our WCW days. They, we would get a letter from a guy who says, I, you know, I think I can book. Let me try to book it. And, well, that sounds great on the surface that you just sit down and say, okay, I'm going to do this storyline, do this storyline. But what about if wrestler a doesn't want to do that story. Oh man, that's it right there. You know, I think so many times people say, oh, they should have just done this. And right. I mean, I even had somebody the other day suggest that we shouldn't have done a live show at this venue. We should have done it at that venue. Yeah. And he sent me a quote and it was like, okay, we could have done that and, and been upside down. Like there's so many little things like that, that people don't factor in, you know, not just right. the overhead of things, but as you said, this guy doesn't want to, I mean, when I was putting together Starcast, I had what I thought was a tremendous idea for a panel. And it was one of the panels I was looking forward to doing the most. And I reached out and I pitched guy a, and he, he wanted an astronomical amount of money. And I was like, I don't know that I could do that. Let me work on it. And then I go to guy B and he's like, well, I'm not doing it. If guy A's doing it, if, if guy A's involved, I'm not doing it at all. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll go to guy C and I can do it with him. And Hey, if guy A and guy B aren't doing it, then I'm not doing it. And then guy C, guy D is like, hey, if B is in, I'm out. And so it's like, fuck this. I'm just scrapping right. the whole thing. Right. Yeah. And what happens is things like that, things like that happen behind the scenes and it, it, it takes your excitement away from the product. Yeah. It, it went from being the panel. I wanted to see the most to not only am I not doing it here, I'm never doing it. Fuck everybody right. who was involved in this. I'm not doing it. Right. So I, uh, in, in a perfect world, if you wanted to be a booker or if you want to be a creative guy, you know, you could come up with some, probably some really great shit, but the execution of that mm-hmm. is, is what's going to burn you out, man. And again, you know, I, I saw, I, I, I saw plenty of ideas and I, I won't be able to name one. I saw plenty of ideas that look great on paper, but ended up being shit on because wrestler A didn't want to do it or wrestler B didn't want to do it, or they just couldn't do it because they weren't capable of doing it. So it's easy. You know, again, it's easy to be an armchair quarterback. We do a lot of that, but man, once you get in the business, your world changes. And if you're really a wrestling fan, stay a wrestling fan, stay out of the business. That's good advice. Let me ask you this. You know, there's this old cliche 
all that's real in the wrestling business is the money and the miles. You believe that? Yeah. Well, wait a minute. All that's real in the wrestling business, the money and the miles. Yep. Well, uh, compared to, uh, I, no, again, we're I real, we're saying that's what really matters. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, 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 I see what you're saying. I'm not saying like bumps and bruises, not, st- I'm not, this isn't okay. a sticks and stones conversation. I'm just saying okay. like, at the end of the day, whether or not you were champion, how many title runs, who your tag team partner was, right. how great the creative was at the end of the day, how many days away from my house? How many miles do I have to go? How much right. money am I getting paid? Right. That's what mattered. Yeah. And you know, I, I think a lot of people. And they do this with other things too, but they really romanticize it with wrestling and it becomes more than what it really is. And so even though you have a great time at MLW and you love and helping all those guys and all that, at the end of the day, if court says, Hey, listen, we'd love to still have you, but we can't pay you. That's mm-hmm. the end of fucking court Bauer and Tony Schiavone working together on MLW, right? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, th- I know that uh, some people say, Oh, but if you love the business, but yeah, but that means you've got to give up your real job, you know, like, you know, there was somebody who tried to book you last year and I quoted your fee and they were just fucking fired up way, way, way upset that it was as high as it was. And like, you know, they're like, well, so-and-so was the world champion and we got him for less. I was like, cool. That guy didn't have any other bookings. He was looking to add a date. You would be booking Tony away from his real job. So He's got to roll the dice on that real job and lose that income and travel all the way there. This mm-hmm. has to be worth as well. This is what it is. And right. You know, I think sometimes people sort of lose sight of that, that it's not just a, oh, I'm an independently wealthy multimillionaire. And this is what I want to do with my random Thursday. That's not the case. Right. Yeah. Um, Pete says when Conrad asks you to do something and you say, I have baseball. If Vince McMahon asked, would the answer be the same? Love the show. No, it would be, it would be, fuck you. I have baseball. Well, you have to calm down if we're ever going to get you on the network. (laughs) I'm not going to get on the network. I'm not. Why would you want me on the network? Well, if you and Bischoff are going to end up on the network long before I'm going to be on. No, I don't know that me and Bischoff will have a show in three weeks. So (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's not the case. Okay. But, uh, I, I, I ain't got, I ain't got time to be on the network, man. Now, if they offered a bunch of money, I'm just signing your name. Just so you know, just hypothetically, you're going to, I have to be where and when, and then I'll be like, check your bank account. And then you'll be like, I'm at the airport. What's taking you so long? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That always works, doesn't it? Oh, it really does. You know, fuck them. Here's the cash. Great. Where are we starting? (laughs) Uh, Audie wants to know which MLW wrestler would have been most successful in JCP. Give a different answer besides MJF this time. Yeah. Would have been most successful in uh, JCP. Hey, well, I got an answer for you. Okay. What is it? Tom Lawler. Okay. I could see, I, would... I could see Tom Lawler or Simon Gotch. Either one of those guys getting over in JCP. I'm not saying they would have been like world champion or anything, but just that air of believability. I think you could buy into for either one of those guys. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying. That's uh, Jake Hager would have probably been a good one too. Oh yeah. See, I don't even really count him as an MLW guy and that's my bad. Um, yeah. but yeah, I, I totally get that. 
Who would, would Jake Hager have been in Paul Jones army? <laughs> yeah. With the, uh, Zimbabwe express or whatever. I'm just asking like, <laughs> who would he have, he would have had a mouthpiece for him back then. Who would have, who would he have yeah. been with? He would probably been, uh, he probably had been Cornette would have probably been his mouthpiece. Wouldn't oh, it? that would be tremendous. Can you imagine? That'd yeah. be awesome. Um, we got a question. <laughs> this is fun. Cody Lee wants <laughs> to know who the fuck is this guy behind Bobby? And it's an old WCW pay-per-view and it's you and Bobby and a black guy wearing a cowboy hat and an earring. And the answer of course is Aaron Neville. And so <laughs> I guess the real question is why was Aaron Neville sitting ringside with you guys? Uh, because he just walked out and everybody knew who knew Aaron Neville was. And he just walked out and sat down with us. And what the hell were we going to do? Run Aaron Neville off? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's funny, but that's, that's great stuff. What were we going to do? So yeah. l- let me ask you this. This is a great question here from uh huge show hats. What Starcade is Tony's favorite? I bet I have an answer, but I, I wanna, okay. I'm going to guess you're going to say 83 to 85. One of those, right? 83. The first one. Why is that one so special to you? Good. Tony Schiavone was still a fan. Oh, I see. It just, it changed after that. It became work. Yeah. I mean, here I am, uh, in the back, I'm, I'm standing in the back and I'm watching on this little square monitor they have, and I'm doing interviews and I'm listening to Gordon Soley and Bob Cottle. Of course, I was a big fan of Bob Cottle's first time I met Bob Cottle was that day too. Uh, and, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Bob Cottle's and of course everybody knew Gordon Soley was cause I did watch Georgia championship wrestling and, uh, on TBS back then. And, um, so I'm watching this and I got, there's Harley races here and you know, I'm, I'm in both dressing rooms. Dick Slater is back there. Uh, Rick Flair is, and I'm just thinking this is the greatest thing in the world. This is the absolute greatest thing in the world. And there was such a feeling at the arena that night. And I, it was Thanksgiving day in Greensboro, North Carolina, where I had spent many Thanksgiving days watching wrestling as a fan. So it was special to me in, in many, many ways. Is that, that was the best one. Top five wrestling memories. You think? Oh yeah. No question. Luke Stevens has the hard hitting question here. If Uh-oh. you could have a pet dinosaur, what kind would you get? And what would you name it? Uh, my pet dinosaur would be a raptor. What would you name it? I would name it Becky. Why? <laughs> that was my mom's name. Mm-hmm. Rad Rob wants to know, was Craig Leathers the worst director of wrestling programs ever? How was he never replaced with all the shoddy work he was responsible for? Well, he had a lot of power. I don't know if he was the worst. I, I haven't seen all. He, he wasn't as good as Kerwin selfies. He wasn't as good as Keith Mitchell. He wasn't as good as, uh, Rick Fancher who worked with us as well. Wasn't as good as, uh, uh, I'll forget his name, <laughs> but he had a lot of power. He was also head of production, so he wasn't going to fire himself. And he was over with, he was over with Eric. He was, he was over big time with Eric. Zach Sawyer wants to know what was Tony's experience like in the AWF? What's AWF? Well, I think he means XWF. XWF. Okay. It was good. Uh, 
I had a chance to work with Jerry Lawler that I thought was just exciting. It looked like we had a chance to do some business. Uh, I don't, I, you may know what happened to it. I don't know. I, I still remember the story, uh, that I've told before, but in the XWF, we had this big production meeting and Brian Knob stands up in the front of the production meeting with all the boys and all the, and all the, uh, production people. And, and I'm sitting beside Mike Hegstrand, road warrior Hawk. And he, he leans over to me and he says, if he's running this fucking business, we're all fucked. And, uh, that was, I remember most about it, but I had a good time. I really did. And that's when I found out that Heenan was sick too, because Heenan was, uh, we was in the back talking. He kept saying, you know, he said, I, I just can't seem to form my words. It, my jaw seems to be tight or whatever. And that was the beginning of that too. So Pierce wants to know, do you have any sting drinking stories? No, none. Uh, <laughs> Pierce wants to know, would you, would Tony drink Medusa's bath water? Yes. Really? Yeah. You know, I, um, I guess that's not a surprise. Once when you're over at my house, she said, you'd eat the corn out of her shit and you don't even like corn. And I don't even <laughs> really know what that even meant, but somebody explained it to me. <laughs> um, Eric wants to know when on headset, how hard was it to get used to hearing yourself in one ear and the producer agent in the other? Do you have any tips for getting used to that? Uh, there's no tip for getting used to that. You just got to go with it. And, uh, the way they got it is you, you can, you can hear yourself in both ears and you can hear the, you can hear the uh, producer in, in your left ear. They tried to talk to you after you had taken a pause saying so, they they never tried to interrupt you. Right. And then that was always important. Uh, at least they, they knew even if they wanted to say something, if they thought what they had to tell you was grand and wonderful and spectacular and something you should say, they were least smart enough to know that if they were telling you while you were talking, it was going to fuck up everything. So that, uh, that wasn't difficult, but it was, it was very difficult to get used to people trying to, again, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like what we were saying earlier. You know, everybody says they can book, but they don't know the ins and outs. Everybody says they can announce, but put the headset on and try it one time and see if you can really do it. Lots of questions about David Crockett over the years. This one comes to us from Jim Bellamy. How did the JCP boys feel about David Crockett? I still laugh to this day, watching Nikita Koloff give him that stiff Russian sickle. Yeah. How do they feel about David? They, they everybody liked David. I'm not talking about how they feel about him in real life. what do they think about his commentary where, cause people bag on that all the time where he's just laughing right. and saying, look at him and shit like that. Yeah. Uh, I got to think because I knew how the brothers were, they were very honest about each other. And of course, you know, like all brothers, they would fight at times. I got to think if Jimmy and, and Jackie really didn't have a say so in the business, he really didn't. He was, he really, he did because he was a member of the family. But as far as the day-to-day -day operation of the business, it was mostly David and Jimmy, mostly Jimmy. I, and Jimmy called the shots. I have a feeling that if Jimmy really didn't want David as an announcer, really hate him as an announcer, he wouldn't have used him. I really think that. And I thought he, I thought, I thought he, he thought David really added something to the broadcast. Um, I, I go back to the discussion I had with Dusty Rhodes and Dusty says, you know, they all talk bad about David. This is when Dusty was Booker, obviously he said, but man, he is raw. 
And David's excitement is genuine. You couldn't, you couldn't fake David's excitement. It was, it was genuine. If JCP did not try to expand their promotion nationally and stayed in the mid Atlantic region, would they still be in business today? Comes to no. from Jay Gatto. Thanks man. No, that wouldn't have happened. I don't know how long they would have gone a little bit longer, I think, but look, the territories were, were going to go belly up anyway. Thanks to Vince's expansion and Jimmy just, Jimmy had a, Jimmy tried to fight him. No one else really could. No one else really could. Jimmy tried to fight him. He really did. No one else, everyone else tried to, but I don't think anyone else could, could do it. Uh, and Jimmy tried to, and then it didn't last as long as we thought it would. And no, it would eventually look, it would eventually folded. And like I said, I think Vince running the business now, so to speak, is the way it was going to happen eventually. We got lots of variations of this question. Ricardo wants to know in episode 10, you guys did a Q and a and Conrad asked if TNA called, would you be interested? And you said, no, it's not interesting to you anymore. And you were losing your voice. So what changed now that you're at MLW, which by the way, I'm a fan of. Yeah. Thanks for the question. I, what changed was, well, it was, it had, it started with court Bauer. And court asked me to do something and I, and then he said, I can't pay you much money. I said, okay, what can you pay me? And here's a, this is a, it's a shooting conversation. And, uh, he said, well, here's how much I can pay you. I said, wow, that's just a little bit less than my first paycheck. I got with Jim Crockett <laughs> and, uh, back in the eighties. And he laughed about that. And, but I thought I would do that just to, because he really, really wanted me. And I thought I would do that to show appreciation for MLW. And then it moved into something else. And of course I did one. And then he said, you can come back. And I said, no again. And then he upped the money. <laughs> and so there you go. Um, uh, you know, a lot of things are about timing too. It really are. They're about time. Plus here's another thing too. And this is what, this is what is so appealing about MLW to me. Uh, of course making money is appealing, but number uh, another thing is it's one day. Right. I fly in on Thursday, do the show that night, fly back home first thing Friday morning. That's it. And I'm done for a month. So that's very appealing too. Here's a fun one. No oh boy. <laughs> Why on earth did WCW have television tapings in Rainsville, Alabama comes to us from Jake Hicks. Rainsville, Alabama. Yeah, it is a tea tiny one horse town here in North Alabama. And wonder what a year that was. I'm going to guess that. it's the Randy Owen era. Okay. All right. Uh, well, that was back, uh, you know, there, at, at one time we, we tried to go out and we tried to do TV tapings at bigger venues and we couldn't fill them. And then we would push everybody on one side and. And then we got to the point, there was one time where we did TV tapings either in Gainesville, Georgia or Marietta, Georgia, and we alternated between them because we knew we could fill up those venues. So apparently we thought we could fill up Rainsville, Alabama. And apparently 
there was some sort of deal worked out with Range of Alabama and Gary Juster. That's got to be a Gary Juster question. If we ever see him again, we need to ask him that. I uh, I talk to Gary now. Yeah. Uh, did I tell you that I met Gary a few weeks ago? No, you didn't. Yeah, I met Gary a couple of weeks ago for the very, very first time at a Ring of Honor show. We had traded emails before, text messages, DMs, things like that. But then I actually got to meet him in person. And uh, I didn't know it, but it was a couple of days shy uh, of his birthday. So, yeah, it was pretty cool to finally meet Gary Juster, who's been such a big part of the business for so long. Right. Uh, there was a, there's a lot of questions I need to ask him that I can, again, on this probably on this podcast, maybe – uh, throw more insight in because I always said that guys like Gary Jester and Elliot Murnick, who's uh, since passed and Chip Burnham, who has since passed, uh, Sandy Scott was another one. Those guys were on the front line back then. Let me ask trying you, to book towns. Why don't we try to get Gary on as a guest on Patreon as a bonus episode? I know we don't, okay. I know we don't do guests, but right. we, we could make an exception for Patreon. And I think Gary Jester would be a tremendous guest. Don't you think? I, I agree too, because he, he would be able to give us some insight into, you know, what it was like to try to book against, uh, Ed Cohen back then. Well, and it's just, you know, it's not the same thing that you've heard from everybody. I mean, most, most guests that are going to be on wrestling podcasts are people that you've heard on 15 other shows, right? Gary Juster, right. not so much. All right. All right. We'll do it. Josh wants to know if Arn Anderson had gotten a run with the world title, who would you have him beat to win it? The answer I would have had him, I would have had him beat Ric Flair to win yeah, it. Of course. What about Tully Blanchard? I'd have had yeah. him beat Lex Luger just cause it'd be fun. Yeah, <laughs> that would be fun. Uh, Eric wants to know when will Tony's debut album drop? I need that mortal Kombat theme. I need shitting, which is a stroking cover and I need <laughs> American whales all on my Spotify playlist. Yeah. What about for uh, Christmas? We have you do an album. Well, you know, we should probably should do an album, but you, you know, I really, when, when, when Matt Kuhn was with us and, you know, he's musically inclined, I, I thought about it. No, he's not. But he now, teaches kids to lip sync. Okay. Uh, now he's no longer with us. Thank God. Right. I mean, he's not passed away, but he's not with us. Well, he's not so passed I, away yet, but let's cross our yeah. fingers. Yeah. Well, maybe the guy who did, uh, maybe the guy that did the, uh, Shivani drip rap can help us out. The Shivani drip rap is top three greatest things we've ever played on the show. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, Conrad, what was your favorite moment when you co-hosted Woo Nation or the Ric Flair show? That comes to us from Tony Barker. And I got to tell you, one of my favorite moments is when Tony Shivani was on. And I'm not just saying that, but you told a story. Do you remember which story you told? Yeah, I told the Marriott story, right? St. Louis Marriott story. Sting. Yeah. How can you compete with this? <laughs> with this. And the, the, the robe was so heavy and he was so drunk that when he opened the robe, he stumbled to his left and I had to hold him up. With and the, then he do it again. He stumbled to the right and I have to hold him up. With the baby's arm out. Just swinging away in the wind and just, you know, he had cut himself. And he still had, you know, he still had, you know, had these little butterflies on his forehead. And I'm thinking, wow, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> You're holding up a drunken world champion right. with a naked lady in the room. He's aroused right. <laughs> and he's bleeding from the forehead. 
Yes. Right. And he's calling you, come to my room, come to my room, come right. to my room. Yeah. But not only did he, I mean, he did it like three or four times. Wait a minute. Like, wait a minute. Here, I'll do it again. I'm thinking, okay, I've seen it. No, come on. Here we go. Sting. Okay. And he closed it. Here, one more time. <laughs> oh, God. And you stayed <laughs> the whole time because you're a good friend. Yeah, of course. And yet at least once a week, I send you a text that says, do you want to see my penis? And you right. always say no. Right. What do I got to do to get on that flare level where I can well, make such a pitch and you'll accept? Well, you're going to have, well, look, uh, seeing Ric Flair's dick when he's drunk is a memory, a memory that you just store in the bank and you think that's a great memory. Seeing your dick. I'm not so sure how good of a memory that would be, but you don't know till you try it. Oh yeah. I know. Let, let me, let me try it. Let me pitch this. This has worked for me before. What if it was just the tip? Okay, we start with just the tip see how you feel about it. And then we'll make a decision from there. No, I'm not. If you don't like it, we'll rescind the whole offer. Okay. Maybe not so much. Uh, Chad wants to know, Tony seems to have a great wrestling mind. So why not try to get more involved in the creative process? You know, we get lots mm. of questions about that because a lot of people, you know, have heard the story that you were up for the same gig that Eric Bischoff was. And of course, Bischoff right. got the nod and you did not. And, and you sort of insinuate that you didn't even really put your best foot forward in the application and how things right. might've been different. Had you really applied yourself in that regard, your response? Well, my response was nothing would have been different. You, you could only do so much with Turner broadcasting as, as running the company. Now, if it was my own money and I had a lot of money to spend and I, I, I always say that the key to being successful is hiring good people. And that's just not necessarily meaning wrestlers. That's meaning behind the scenes people. Uh, I don't want to get in creative court. Bowers asked me a number of times, give me some input. And I say, okay. And I've given him input one time. Cause I just, I just don't want to fool with it anymore. Can you tell us what the input was? Yeah. I listened to one of the shows and the sound was, I thought was not good. And I said, court, I said, you, you can't hear me and rich during an entrance. You can't hear us at all. And I said, I'm not telling you this because I necessarily think I need to be heard as Tony Schiavone. I'm telling you this as someone who's listening, if you can't hear this, it's a big turnoff factor. Give you a perfect example. If I watch a TV show, if Lois is watching Fox and there are three people on there debating and they're all talking at the same time, that turns me off immediately. I've got to be able to hear what's going on. And that was the one uh, criticism I gave to court. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm enjoying just being an announcer and leaving now. I mean, Bruce works behind the scenes. God bless him. Yeah. But uh, do, do I have to do the some of the shit that he would have to do? Jesus <laughs> Christ! Yeah, we've heard some stories. Oh, I bet. Um, Mark wants to know who was an unsung hero that not a whole lot of people would know about in WCW. Let's not talk about in the ring. Let's talk about sort of behind the camera. Well, we've talked about Neil Pruitt. There was also a guy named Bill Tinsley who was, uh, basically the cameraman when we went out and did 
what we called ENGs, or we went out and did live shots. Bill Tinsley, uh, a lot of people talk about, uh, you know, the WCW all-nighters that we did. Right. Bill Tinsley shot all those and lit all those. He could make anything look great with lighting. He was so good at lighting things, and he was so good with his camera. Uh, and he was such a, just a genuinely good man that the fact that WCW went down and a guy, the, his talent, at least did not get on with Turner broadcasting is, is a crime. Uh, and I don't know what Bill is doing now, but Bill was, Bill was a good man. And all the, some of the, a lot of the shit that we did, a lot of the vignettes that we did looked the way they did and was lit the way they were because Bill Tinsley took the extra mile to make things look well. So he was a behind the scenes guy. Uh, again, uh, Janie Engel was one because she could do anything and everybody loved her. I don't know anybody hated Janie Engel. I don't know of anybody that hated her. Everybody loved Janie Engel. Uh, and that was another behind the scenes person that was a hero. Uh, you know, I thought, uh, I thought Wendy Turnbuckle or Wendy Turner worked pretty hard as well. Um, and, uh, she was our stage manager. She also worked under Annette and, and worked with her as well. So Wendy was another, we had another girl named Georgia Davidson that worked in our front office, Yvonne Fernandez who worked in our front office. She was a hardworking guy. Kelly Kaminsk worked in, um, was another hardworking girl worked in merchandising, uh, with us. Uh, they were all pretty hardworking people behind the scenes that I had a lot of, a lot of respect for. Uh, I had uh, in, in my staff, there were, I had, uh, in my staff, I had a girl named, um, Michelle Bayens. I had another girl named Christine Johnson who worked for me, Woody Kearse who worked for me. And Kip Bissell, and they were all four hard work. And Diane Doyak, they were all hard working people. Diane has gone on to be a producer at ESPN now. These were people who worked very hard behind the scenes. They were all on my staff, and I was their supervisor. Uh, and they all put a lot of time and effort into it that people didn't see. Woody stayed a long, Kip stayed a long, long time after everybody went home to make sure the WCW Saturday Night Show was done. And, uh, uh, the same thing can be said about, uh, Neil Pruitt. David wants to know, what were you told by Bischoff when you were replaced for an episode of nitro in 2000 by Scott Hudson? Were you given much notice and how did you feel doing in-ring interviews that night? Well, I was, I was really upset and I want to tell you why I was really upset. I was upset because here's the notice I got. We show up at Cedar Rapids, Iowa or wherever it was may have been, uh, I think it was. It wasn't Cedar Rapids, I was, uh, one, but it was one of those, uh, it was Rockdale, Illinois. I think I show up there and Scott's there. I show up for nitro the night and Scott's there. And I said, what's going on? And Eric said, oh, I, I meant to tell you, or here, I want to tell you, I'm going to have Scott replace you tonight. And, and I said, what's this about? He said, it is not permanent, but I think you're burnout. And so I just want you to take a break, a break from this and step back and look at it. So, and he knew I was upset that night and he came back and he told me a second time. He said, again, you're not losing your job. You're just burnout. And I want this to happen. 
So I was upset that night because of the way I was told. I saw Scott was there be- even before I got there. Maybe he thought that that if I was told that Scott was going to replace me, I wouldn't show up or something, which certainly wouldn't have been me. But I was upset the way I was told, and uh, that's how it happened. Joe wants to know, can you share any stories about real fights that happened backstage that maybe we haven't heard about before? Uh, no, because, well, you know, the only one that I remember was the, the Vader story. There was the fight backstage with Vader and Paul Orndorff. There was a fight backstage with the uh, diamond Dallas page and Buff Bagwell that all the boys said, do you see, they really got into a fight and I didn't believe, you I didn't believe it, that at all. You thought it was a work. Yeah. I thought it was a work. Uh, there was a time, uh, and this is right. This is right before I left. Uh, because they had brought in WCW and Jim Hurd had brought in, uh, George Scott to be the booker. And I was there just for a short period of time. And George brought in blackjack Mulligan as one of his agents. And of course I was really, uh, I was all for that. You know, I got to meet Jack Mulligan and he and Ole got into a little argument and Ole turned away from Jack and Jack hit him in the back of the head with his fist and Ole turned around and said, what the, what the fuck you do that for? And, and Jack went. I'm sorry. I just got upset <laughs> and that's as far as that went, but he cold cocked him pretty good. Uh, and that's the only other fight that maybe you didn't hear about. that lasted one punch. Jordan wants to know which new or upcoming talent at the time would you have wanted to see pushed had the fusion deal went through. That's hard for me to say, because I, I can't even remember who was wrestling for us at that time. Jordan wants to know of the stars in WCW, who was the worst locker room cancer in your opinion? Wow. That's hard. Well, when you're not hanging out in the locker room, it's hard for It's hard to say who it was. I mean, everybody thought Scott Hall was right, but I, I'm not, I, I never did see that side of Scott Hall. Never did. I only heard it secondhand or thirdhand. Another interesting uh, questions here, it, it, WCW's ring, which color combination of ring ropes did you like the best? WCW went through a few different phases, you know, there for a long time, the WWF had red, white, and blue ropes, but right. WCW tried some different things over the years. Which combination did you feel like was most WCW? Well, the most WCW, I guess was the blue and yellow. I think so too. Yeah. Blue top, yellow in the middle. Wasn't that right? Did I, did I get that right? Top and bottom. Derpy Kong wants to know who was your favorite person to travel with in WCW? Uh, it was Heenan. And then you guys by far because he always out. had us laughing. Uh, Brian wants to know when you did the rumble in 90, how clued in were you as to what was going to happen and how much direction did you get from Vince over the headset during that era? Uh, I got nothing from Vince over the headset during that era. Everything I got was from Bruce during that era. Again, I've told the story that I didn't even know I was doing the commentary till that day. And Vince arrived late to the meeting. Didn't want to do it. Looked at me. That was the first thing he said to me. He sat down, took a deep breath. He said, I don't want to do this day. Looked at me. He said, do you have your tux? And I said, yes, sir. I do. He said, you're doing play by play. And that's how I found out what was told to me in the years, I can't remember what was all told to me as far as letting me know what was going on, but they pretty much during the course of the meeting kind of let you know what was going on. If there were any changes 
Bruce would tell me in my ear, but Vince never produced me. I never got that luxury of Vince producing me in my ear. But I understand that in this day and age, it's not the greatest thing in the world to have happen to you. Yeah, I hear it's kind of rough myself, but this was not rough. This was easy, man. Thank you for joining us today on a very special Q&A episode of What Happened When? Don't forget to check us out on Patreon. We're going to have some more bonus content coming your way. And I guess we can start trying to actively book some guests for Patreon. We'll give that a whirl, see how that goes. We're also going to have a poll up on Patreon very soon. And we're going to be asking you to help us select a thunder Tony Mm. of of all the shows that we could have covered of all the different topics. Why did you say, Hey man, I'd like to do a thunder. What, what made you think about thunder here? Cause it was short. (laughs) (laughs) The run was short. You mean there weren't, there weren't very many of them. Yeah. And look, look, a couple of things. You know, you and I have kind of exchanged texts back and forth. David Arquette wins the world title there. Some things happened on that. Yeah. You know, uh, Sting spoke for the first time. Um, so, yeah, there were some things that happened that, and, and why not? Why not try to change it up a little bit? That's what I thought. And maybe that was the wrong thing to say. No, but, I'm, and, I'm all and, for and, it. And, I don't think it's wrong at all. I just yeah. was curious what made you say, oh, thunder. Well, then after, uh, then after I said thunder, I just kind of threw that out at you after I said thunder, then I look on the network and a lot of the big thunders are not there yet. Oh, uh, we'll have fun. We don't have to have a big one. Okay. That's what <laughs> Lois said. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you know, I can't help, but think, uh, Tony, when I look at my uh, clock, it's about that time. It's about that time, Conrad in our feature main event here tonight is going to be one-on-one Matt Coon going up against Jay-Z. And this is going to be our piece of shit world title match. The winner of the match is going to be our piece of shit world heavyweight champion. And, and I tell you right, Conrad, and I thought you agree with me that either man can be a good piece of shit. So it doesn't matter to one of us who wins the piece of shit world title. But right now, Matt Coon can't seem to get off his fucking back. So Jay-Z's going to lay on top of him. He's going to hump him a little bit. And there's a one, a hump, a two, a hump, a three, a hump. I think Matt Coons is asleep. So who's the piece of shit, the champion Jay-Z or the piece of shit Matt Coon that laid down for him and fell asleep? We may decipher it next week. We'll see you next week on What Happened When? Monday on Patreon, Wednesday on the MLW Radio Network, as well as on Patron. All right, then. Promotional considerations. Paid for by the following. LoisRules.com <laughs> Lois is cool. Her husband's a tool. <laughs> you said tool. <laughs> mm. I reckon that's the place where you get your lawnmower blades and you get your T-shirt from what happened when mm-hmm. how much you want for them and by box a gimmick what's that box a gimmicks dot com mm-hmm. if you're in a fan of bruce pritchard eric bischoff bish 
Eric Bischoff or Tony Schiavone, this is a great place to get all your stuff. Schiavone's full of stuff. So that Conrad guy. <laughs> Conrad, that's a cool name. It's Con and Rad. That guy is rad. <clears throat> yeah, he's rad. <clears throat> All right, then. And by Carl Childers, lawnmower blades and small engine repair. <clears throat> Just don't forget to put gas in the engine. <clears throat> All right, then. And by Slapdick Theater. Mm. Some people call it Dumbass Theater. I call it Slapdick Theater. <laughs> you said Slapdick. <laughs> he, he called you a Slapdick. <laughs> you said Slapdick. <laughs> Slapdicks are cool. <laughs> the second episode coming soon to... Patreon.com forward slash. I didn't know there's going to be this much reading involved. Forward mm-hmm. slash WHW Monday. Does all this stuff make sense to you? Because it don't make no sense to me. Mm. I reckon it does. Mm-hmm.